Welcome to the Elevate Life Church podcast of the week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit elevatelife.com. Hey, put your hand over your heart. Let's make our declarations. Say this with me. I am who God says I am, a child of God, the righteousness of God. I am the apple of God's eye. I am God's workmanship created for good works, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Today, I open up my mind to receive the Word of God so I can think like God, be like God, and do life the way God intended for me to live. Let's lift up holy hands. Come on, y'all get ready because God's going to bring heaven down today. Come, Holy Spirit. Come on, say it again. Come, Holy Spirit. Say it again. Come, Holy Spirit. Help me elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, y'all. Already, let's welcome McKinney. McKinney, thank you for being a part of us. It's going to be awesome. So, anyway, hey, before you're seated, let me just announce something to you. Before this day is over, heaven is going to come down and glory is going to fill this house. Before this service is over, that's going to happen in McKinney. Before this service is over, we're going to take a time to worship God, to press in. So stay all the way until the end. I'm only going to preach for an hour and a half, and then after that. No, we're gonna have a time of worship because God's gonna do some incredible things. In case you don't know, it's the last day of September and I've got an announcement for you what God's gonna do when the clock strikes 12 tonight. So you'll either either see that what I'm gonna say is true or not, but some great things are gonna happen. So, hey, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for what you're doing in McKinney right now. Thank you for what you're doing here right now. God, thank you that we are here right now. We are in this moment and we will not miss this moment. And Lord, we're going to take this moment and you're gonna add your super to our natural and it's gonna create divine momentum so that our moment plus the momentum that you're gonna bring is gonna bring miracles. And I announce that in the name of Jesus. Miracles start now. Come on, miracles start right now. For those of you who don't know, here's what a miracle is. It's something divine, something super that God does. And so I want want you to elevate your thinking. I want you to elevate your faith. I want you to get ready because God's gonna speak a word to you, amen? All right. Give somebody a high five, a hug, love on somebody. I want to talk to you today about moving forward as the elect of God. Before I knew or anybody knew the crazy week that America would experience this last week, God gave me this word about election, that we are elected by him and we don't need a committee to approve us. And aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Some of y'all are real glad. You're glad nobody's looking at your high school yearbook. You're glad nobody's going to the party where you were. In fact, you're just glad you're not running for Supreme Court justice. But let me just tell you something, you're more than that. You're a son and daughter of the Most High God. You've been elected by God. So I'm honored that you're here. I'm honored that you're watching. We'll have thousands, literally, uh, that watch on live on Facebook, YouTube, and through our uh, www.elevate.life. I think I got that right. They've changed it recently, but it's all the same. Elevatelife.com it is to me. But, you know, my son, my son, my son. He likes to change things. So I thought, why do we need a dot between elevate and life? It's just the, okay. So I'm not going to get on on that right now. But 
I want to talk to you about moving forward as the elect of God. Forward means advance. Everybody say advance. God's about ready to advance you. Forward means promote. God is about to promote you. I said God is about to promote you. And forward means progress. God is about to progress you into your progress. In Jesus' name. I'm not just saying these things. It shall come to pass. Elect in Scripture. This is a biblical word. We've been elected by God. Elect means to be handpicked by God. What does it mean to be handpicked by God? It means to be carefully selected and chosen for a purpose in preference to another. God has chosen you. This last week, I came across something on Instagram that I wanted to share with you. On September the 3rd, doctors told Nina, who was battling with cancer, that she wouldn't live through the night. She was supposed to get married on September 4th, and when they told her on September 3rd she wasn't going to live through the night, her friends and families transformed her hospital room into a beautiful wedding venue. Dressed in her wedding gown with a flower crown and lying in bed with her oxygen mask on, she and Joey said, I do. They were best friends since their childhood. He never left her side while she battled cancer and three days later she died, but their love will live forever. He chose her, he chose her. And just because she got cancer, he didn't unchoose her. Even when they said, you're not gonna make it through the night, he said, well, that means we gotta have a wedding today. Can I just tell you, it doesn't matter what's been in your life in the past. It doesn't matter what has held you back. God chooses you today and he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And he has already gone before you and made every crooked path straight according to the word of God for your life in the future. In the name of Jesus, the best is yet to come. I said the best is yet to come. The elevated thought or big thought for this message is you have been handpicked by God. Listen very carefully now. If God has picked you, then what does he have for you? To receive and to reveal his glory through your life. If you've been right here for any amount of time, you know that my first book, Your Divine Fingerprint, and the reason I say my first book, because this last week I went away to finish my second book, which I finished on Friday night at 10.50. And uh, we'll be talking about that soon. We've already talked to my literary agent and some publishers and it is underway and I'll announce that to you soon. But in my first book, if you've been around here for any amount of time, you know that you have a fingerprint that nobody else has to leave an imprint that nobody else can leave. You know that 99% of our DNA is all the same. There's only a 1% difference between you and everybody that ever has been born and everybody that ever will be born. In other words, 99% of everything about us is the same. No matter what your ethnicity is, from the inside out, no matter what time in history you've been born, we're all the same. There's only a 1% difference that separates you from everybody else in the world. And that's your X factor for success. And I talk about that in my book. I talk about how to discover, develop, and deploy your X factor for success, your 1%, your divine fingerprint that nobody else has to leave an imprint that nobody else can leave. It is a message from this house that God gave us to give to the world. And with that said, I want you to know something, that you're very special. You're very special. 
And it's evidence at the, at the end of your fingertip is this fingerprint. It's evidenced by that. I was reading one day in the scripture years ago, and the Lord spoke this to me about John 17, verse 22. You see, the Bible says that Jesus said, Father, he's praying the longest prayer that's recorded in the Bible. says, Father, you've given me your glory, and now I give it to them. I had always felt special, and I, I, I want to tell you that. I, I, and maybe you haven't, but let me just tell you this. I haven't either, based on what other people have said or what some of the circumstances and situations, unfair or mistreatment or abuse. Some of you know about my own situation um, that I, my mother apologized in my adult years for uh, both physical and emotional abuse. And so I had forgiven her a long time ago, but if you've, been, if you've had that happen to you, you know, you know what it takes to overcome that. And God is the only one that can empower you to overcome that, but you can overcome that. And, uh, but I, I, even no matter what happened in my life, no matter what what, and what didn't happen in my life that should have happened in my life. I've always felt that I was special in this regard. Some of you know the story. Again, it's in my book. Uh, I talk about how I w had suffocated to death in a plastic bag and I was pronounced dead and I was dead for over an hour. They had pronounced me dead. It was over. The sheet was uh, over me. It was, it was done. And I had a mamaw who prayed me back to life after an hour and it was a bona fide miracle. In fact, it was such a miracle that on Thanksgiving Day, 1961, uh, there was a gigantic picture on the front page of the Dallas Morning News of me and my family. And it said a Thanksgiving blessing. Keith Kraft will be a real life Thanksgiving blessing to this year to his parents, uh, Mr. and Miss James Kraft, his, his brother Bruce and his grandmother, Bessie Ferguson. Uh, earlier this year, he died, but was brought back to life. And so that's a real story. And so I've felt, let me, let me just tell you, the, 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 the deep down significance that I've had is knowing that I was dead and that many people die, they never have a chance. And God somehow brought me back to life. And it's a true story. It's a, it's a real deal. Yet many of us here struggle because we don't feel like we're that special. And, and on my worst days, and I've got some worst days. Some of y'all have some worst days every once in a while. On my worst days, I don't feel very special. I, I don't feel special because everybody in my life thinks I'm wonderful. I, I convince Pastor Sheila all the time how wonderful I am and what, what she needs to say to me to make me feel wonderful. And, uh, but, but, but the truth is, in other words, you can't find your specialness based on how somebody makes you feel special. You need to find that you are special because the first thing in your notes is God elected you. God elected you. God chose for you to be born. You might have been an accident with your parents. You might have been a misfire. <laughs> but the truth is, God knew exactly what was going to happen. Just even that, from the physiological standpoint. Did you know they estimate that when a man releases his sperm into a woman, your children should be in children's church, unless you want them to hear this story, <laughs> that they estimate basically 600 million sperm are, are released. Men, first of all, that ought to tell you how powerful you are. <laughs> because in those sperm, life is created. 
that you have the power to make something happen. If you have that power physically, you also have that power in your business. You also have that power in your marriage. You also have that power in your life. You also have that power, something that's on the inside of you that's wanting to come out and what's waiting, what you're waiting for, and let's get off the male-female thing for just a minute, is the right alignments in your life so that the seeds that you plant will bring about the dreams that God has for your life. That's how special, I'm talking to the men just for a second, that's how special every man is here. But the devil does his, his best, and I hate to even associate best and, and, and the devil in the one category. I'd rather use another word, but I'd get rebuked for it after the service. But the devil does his best to try to make you feel like you're not worthy, to try to make you feel like you're not all that, to try to make you feel like you don't measure up, to try to get you to somehow in your life align your self-worth with what you do, align your significance with your success, to align who you are with a false sense of ego that's based on your position in life. In other words, the devil does his best to make sure that somehow you do what the Bible says not to do, and that is that the Bible says, don't compare yourselves among yourselves as some do and be a fool. And that's exactly what many men, they fall into the trap of comparing themselves with other men. And as they measure themselves against other men, then they feel less of who they are because they don't make the money. They don't have the position. They've made too many mistakes. They, they know who, who they are when nobody's looking. And can I tell you something? God knows all that too. And he still elected you. He still chose for you to be born. And he knew the future. He knew the end of your life before you, your life began. So God has elected you. Let's look at some scripture. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 1, Paul and Silvanus, Silvanus, Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 in the New King James Version says, knowing, everybody say knowing. <laughs> Beloved brethren, your election by God. God wants you to know that you have been elected by him. John, the first chapter, the 12th and the 13th verse says, but to all who believed him and accepted him. See, it's not enough to believe, but you accept him and then you choose to follow him. He gives the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So God has elected you. Put your hand on your heart. Come on, everybody do this and say, thank you, God, for choosing me. You see, out of those 600 million sperm that they estimate, one made it, and that was you. And we don't think about that some of you say, I don't want to think about that. Maybe you should think about that more. But anyway, I don't want to think about it. No, here's what I want you to understand. 599 million little sperm died off except you. You went upstream in impossible situations and connected to the exact thing that you were supposed to connect with in the natural was an egg and God said, now we're gonna hatch something great. It's the same way. Here's how you need to see yourself. You started in life ahead of 599 million other potentials. 
You're special. But you see, we don't feel special. We many times don't feel special and, and, and a root of insecurity very early in our life, maybe because of what our parents did or didn't do, or maybe because of our atmosphere or our environment, or we compare ourselves of, uh, girls um, with other girls and we're not a part of the clique and uh, we want to date that guy and somehow we never get that guy to date us. And so we end up settling for whatever and whoever the lens that we view ourselves through. And on and on I could go here on both sides with men and women. But here's what you need to understand. God chose you. God chose you to be born. Now you have to choose what you're gonna do with your life. But the greatest gift you've ever received is life. And what you do with your life is your greatest gift back to God. What you do your marriage, how you do your marriage, how you do your business, how you do your finances, how you do everything is either honoring God or giving back to God. That's what makes first fruiting so important with little pastor Keela was up here talking about it and saying, you know, that she automates it. I can't tell you how proud I am of you for doing that, that you've, you've followed me and your mom in that. You've automated it so you don't have to think about it and you, and you still give over and above. And I thank you for that. And guess what? When you were single, you did that. When you had a house payment by yourself, you did that. When things were tough, you did that. When you couldn't hardly make your bills every month and didn't tell us about it because that would have never happened, you did that. In other words, you've never not done it and you've given God's got a chance to put his hand on your life. And I can't tell you how proud I am. So when she stands up here and she tells you and talks to you about giving, just know that's why the hand of God is on her life. It's a big deal. Because you see, when you know how special you are, how could you not honor God? He's the one that's given you the power to get wealth. He's the one that's given you the power to work. He's the one, you could be in, in the hospital today. You could not even have a life today. And yet some of us have such a difficult time giving God the first dollar out of every 10. And yet, if you knew how special you were to God, you would, you would want to do more than that. That's the way I lived when I told Sheila. Many of you know this story. They've been here for a long time. We're 23 years old. We've just gotten married. And I told her, I said, listen, this is the way it's going to be. I said, we're going to give God the first 10, actually return it. That's his. We're going to always seek to give 10% more over and above and then we're gonna put back 10%, and we're never, no matter what, gonna live on more than 70% of our income. At 23, she's so sweet. You're so, okay, she has no idea what that means. But I said, this is what we're gonna do. And we'll never have a budget, by the way. We're gonna live by margins. Hmm, she's just looking at me. I said, so just follow me in this, and I promise you it's gonna work. She goes, doesn't everybody have a budget? Like they. They like, they have the amount of money they make and then they have their bills and they budget accordingly. I said, yeah, people that don't understand that they can live better than a budget by creating margin in their life and watching God do more with what they have than they ever could budget for themselves. So we created a 10, 10, 10, 70 margin in our life. That was when I was making about $16,400, $800 a year. And I said, this is how we're gonna live our life. Now, again, I'm not telling you that to pat you, you on the back. I'm telling you that I'm on this stage for one. That's one of the reasons I'm on this stage. Because I've lived that way. And because God said, okay, you, I've elected you. Now, there's a responsibility that you have to live this way. Now, she had no idea. And frankly, can I just be honest with you? I had no idea that living that way, I would become a millionaire by the time I was 40 years old. So before I ever started this church, I was a millionaire. And people say, well, you know, big churches, more money. I've been one of the number one givers in this church for the last 18 years. Why? Because I was a millionaire before I started this church. So here's my point. Your goal may not to be a millionaire, and guess what? Mine wasn't either. My goal was to please God. 
So again, some of you know the story. When we started the church, I gave the first 50000 I wrote the first $100,000 check to the church. And then somebody on the second row beat me and wrote the first million. But the bottom line is, is that I, I live to honor God. And some of you, unfortunately, listen very carefully to me, you will never know that kind of hand and feeling, that, that feeling of specialness that's on your life because you're not doing the minimum. And the minimum is putting God first with your 10%. If you get that revelation, here's what God says he will do. He said, prove me in this and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings on you you cannot contain. Can I tell you the blessing of having my children? The blessing of having my children's children with me in life. To me, that's my heaven on earth. You're special because you're elected by God. I wanna to talk to all the guys here for just a second because this, you'll understand this. The women may not understand it, but you'll understand it. I was the guy in elementary school that was asked by my friends to always choose the teams. You know what I'm talking about. I was the fastest kid. I was a good athlete. And in our little elementary school in Oak Cliff, uh, Chris, L. O'Donnell, I wasn't saying I'm the, I'm the guy. They were saying, we want you to pick the teams. Well, growing up, I, I didn't think anything about it. I just thought, okay. But you know what I did strategically every time? I picked the worst guy. Every time. And the one guy, his name was Tommy. I'll never forget, Tommy would always stand there and he had a smile on his face. Nobody knew why. He knew every time I was going to pick him first because I was still going to beat you with the worst guy. <laughs> that was part of my strategy. I'm going to pick the worst guy, the slowest guy, the guy that could not catch a ball if he got a reward for it, <laughs> who doesn't even want to be out here. P.E. is his worst subject. It happens to be my best. But I'm going to pick that guy. But watch this. Those guys became my best friends because I picked them. I chose them. Now, let me, let me tell you something good about God. You might look at me and go, ah, we don't want to hear you brag on your elementary school if you think that's what I'm doing. Talk to me in the parking lot afterwards. <laughs> For real. <laughs> Just joking, Pastor Sheila. That was a joke. I was, I, please don't rebuke me for that. I'm totally joking, Pastor. Okay, so, so here's the deal. What does that mean about God? He doesn't look at your ability. He just chooses you, and no matter what you can or can't do, you're going to win because He's made the selection already. He's chosen you. He's chosen you. So going all the way up, you know, junior high, high school, even college, I was the captain. He's like, you be the, you, be the, you be the picker, you be the chooser. So when I talk about feeling special, here's what, I, here's what I can tell you. How can you make somebody else feel special? How can you pick somebody that doesn't feel special if you don't ever feel special yourself? You need to understand you've been elected by God. Watch this so you can make everybody around you feel like you've chosen them. You've chosen them. And it's so important. Uh, one last story about my elementary years. You know, when somebody's talking about elementary, they ain't got much in their life because they got to go all the way back to the elementary or their high school yearbook to see what that really meant. But anyway, so let me just pause for a minute. How many of you are glad that you're elected by God and you don't need a committee to approve you? How many of you are glad God's not going to go back to your high school years? Oh, girl. Girl, you know I'm talking to you too. 
talking to the boys, but I'm talking to the girls too. Aren't you glad God's not like that? No, he just chooses you, by the way, forgives your past to say, let's move forward. That's the kind of God we have. So I, I played for a, a team. Uh, you know, today it's all different. It's all about soccer. You know, soccer, it's, soccer's great. But you know, let me just tell you something. Back in the day, buddy, how old are you, buddy? I just always want to remind you, you're older than me. So buddy, <laughs> buddy knows exactly what I'm talking about. It wasn't all these little soccer teams. and You know, because anybody can kick a ball, really. Anybody can kick a ball. Like run, kick, 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 kick. I mean, all the soccer players, their dream is to go to the NFL, not get hit, not catch a ball. For God, God forbid, ever make a tackle. But boy, they're going to try to kick it through those, because that's what they do. Not making fun, just being real. So, so... When we were coming up, buddy, it wasn't about soccer. It was about football. It was about football, man. And I played for what was called the Oak Cliff Mustangs. Now, some of y'all don't understand. You can Google it if you want to. Oak, don't do it right now. But the Oak Cliff Mustangs are on Google. It was a little league football team. And um, guess who the picker was? Me. Guess who the captain was? Me on the team. All right, now here's the deal. You say, oh, he's bragging again about his, no, 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 just listen. So I had a best friend, his name was Craig. The coach would just ride Craig because Craig was slow. I go, Craig, come on, man. Just, it's like, is that all you got? Like, just come on, just come on. They said, just run with me. Come on. I'm just so tired. I mean, that's the kind of guy he was. It's like, uh, it's like, Craig, you know? How many of y'all ever known a Craig? How many of y'all were Craig? Okay, so, so. So I love Craig. No matter what, I love Craig. Craig is my friend. The coach would just chew out Craig. I mean, I'm talking about back in the day, it was the Bear Bryant chew out. Like I saw someone on ESPN the other day. I never watched ESPN, but I'm sure you've seen it in me because you're the, uh, you know, avant-garde or expert or whatever it is. You're the king of the trivia. But ask him anything about sports or anything. But I was watching something the other day, and a coach grabbed a guy's face mask. And old people are just, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, what is going on in our world, man? Coach grabbed it. Oh, it's caused a stir in the sports world. Y'all didn't grow up like I grew up. Coach would grab your face mask. He'd slap you upside your head, <laughs> kick your tail all over the field. You say, is that a right thing to do? I came out okay. I came out okay. I'm good. Like, I'm good. I, I like, I, I, that's, I'm not damaged. Oh, that poor college athlete had his face mask grabbed by his coach. Dear God, line up lawyers. And then, I'm sorry I'm getting on this. I didn't talk about this any other service. Somebody must need this right now. Boy, the Green Bay Packers, what's his name? Clay Matthews, thank you very much. Big guy over there. Clay Matthews hit a, hit a quarterback in pro football a little too hard. And they're, they're, they're finding him because you, you can't hit that hard. What in the world is happening in our country? It's like, what? Oh, he grabbed a face mask. Oh, oh he, he, he hit the quarterback too hard, and it's happened three times. We're playing football. Okay, so anyway, that's enough. I got it out. Okay, I got it out. So, so anyway, so the coach would just ride my friend, Craig, and... Uh, so he said, you're off the team. So I looked at the coach, I was about 11. I go, well, coach, he's, Craig's my best friend. Like if he's off the team, I'm off the team. Oh, no, no, no. Well, Craig, okay, Craig, I said, no, you know, it's probably good. It's just, 
I don't, Craig, do you really, do you want to play? He goes, no, not really. I go, okay, Craig, come on, let's go. And as I'm walking off the field, my coach is going, don't go. I'm the guy. You can Google it. It's Oak Cliff Mustangs. Anyway, so, so, so here's the deal. Here's what I want to tell you. It don't matter what kind of game you've got or not. The coach, the great coach, the coach of all coaches, the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the father of all fathers has chosen you. You've been elected by him. Second thing I want to tell you is God is for you. God is for you. Somebody put an amen on that. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses was a stuttering criminal. Samson was promiscuous. Gideon was doubtful. Rahab, the prostitute who would become Jesus' great-great-grandmother, by the way. Jeremiah was depressed. David had an affair and committed murder. Elijah was mentally unbalanced and suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Just know that's not going to happen. No, I, I, don't even, I don't even have that desire. Aren't y'all glad? I don't have that desire. I don't come running out here going, hey! Okay, that's what he did, though. When God called Jonah, Jonah ran away. Naomi was an old widow. Job went bankrupt. Peter betrayed Jesus. The disciples fell asleep. Martha was not a worshiper, but a worrier. The Samaritan woman was a multi had multiple divorces. Zacchaeus was greedy. Paul was ingrained in another religion. Timothy was too young and had ulcers. And Lazarus died. And God said, I knew all that and I chose them. I know all your stuff. I know what's in your high school book. I know what's in the book, the black book that nobody knows about. I still choose you. I still want you. I've still got a great future for you. You're elected and I'm for you. I'm for you. No matter what, I'm for you. Come on, let's give God a big hand. 2 John, the first chapter, I want you to look, look at this reading. The elder, to the elect lady, this is what the Bible says, to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth. This woman is referred to as the elect lady. Because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Now, once you listen very carefully, repeat this after me. Say grace, grace. mercy, grace. and peace. peace. will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and love. What is God saying? Grace, because I've elected you, is going to be with you. Mercy, because I've elected you, is going to be with you. Peace, because I've elected you, is going to be with you. You say, what does that mean? Grace is the power of God to do things God's way. In the name of Jesus, God wants you to know that he is always, always, always going to give you more than you deserve. That's what his grace is. You didn't deserve it, but that's why we honor him. That's why we love him, because he gives us the power to do things God's way. What is mercy? It's the power of God to love the way God loves. 
David said this in Psalms 51, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Don't have mercy on me because you, because I deserve it. Don't have mercy on me because I had messed up that bad. Don't have mercy on me because I'm better than somebody else, but have mercy on me, watch this, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Somebody put an amen. Wash me clean from my guilt. Some of you need to let guilt go. Everybody raise up both hands right now. Let it go out of your fingertips right now. Come on, let let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let the guilt go. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night against you and you alone. I've sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. But purify me from my sins, and I'll be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Give me back my joy again, and have broken me. Let, now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins, creating me a clean heart. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Can I just tell everybody here, you've got a loyal spirit. Come on, you've got a loyal spirit. You might have lied, you might have cheated, you might have, you might have gone behind somebody's back, but guess what? You're God's son and you're God's daughter. He has chosen you, he is for you. Get your loyal spirit back. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels so that they will turn, return to you. That's the mercy of God. Blessed are the merciful. For they have received mercy, but they will give mercy. And then peace. God says, I'm gonna give you grace like you've never known. I'm gonna give you peace like you've never known. I'm gonna give you mercy like you've never known. By the way, here's the prophecy. When the clock strikes 12 tonight, October 1st, God gave me a picture that according to the word of God, Deuteronomy, God has treasures in heaven that have been waiting to be unleashed. And if you could hear the treasure box beginning to open, starting right as the clock strikes 12 tonight, as October comes into play, God's gonna begin to pour out some treasure on you that you didn't even know he had stored up for you. It's gonna happen. I said, it's gonna happen. I said, it's gonna happen. Somebody put an amen on that. Now some of y'all, some of y'all skeptics, I know you're out there. You're going, this is weird stuff. Hey, Henry Ford said it best. Whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. Let me say it another way. Whether you believe this or whether you don't, you're right. So why don't you go ahead and elevate your thinking so you can elevate your life. Elevate your belief. I said October 1st, there's going to be some treasure that begins to come your way. There's going to be some treasure that God's had just for you. There's going to be some treasure that's been in an inheritance that God has had for you that's going to be unlocked in the name of Jesus. You see, God wants to give you his grace, his mercy, and his peace like you've never known before because the truth is he's already given it. You just need to know it. God is for you. Everybody say, God is for me. And then here's the last thing. God has elected you, God is for you. And then here's the third and last thing. God has elected you for a purpose. God doesn't elect you and go, hey, I like you, you're special. But God elects you for a purpose. Second Timothy 1.9 in the English Standard Version says this, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Why has God called you? Why has God, called you? Why has God elected you? 
because he has a purpose for you. Everybody look up here at me. Doesn't matter where you are in your journey right now. Mary Beth Cantor, who holds a chair at Harvard University says this, if you look at everything in the middle, it will look like failure. Some of y'all are in the middle right now. Quit looking at the middle. God's got a great future for you and it's coming your way starting. Come on right now in the name of Jesus. So God has elected you, not just because you're special, but because he's special, that makes you special. One of my daily devotions, and I have a lot of them, different parts of the Bible I study, different devotional books I have, is My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. Here's what he says. In fact, if you wanna just devote with me every day, we can do that devotional together. Sin has switched the human race onto another track, but it has not altered God's purpose in the tiniest degree. Somebody put an amen on that. And when we are born again, we are brought into the realization of God's great purpose for the human race. The first purpose which we are called is to be God's servant, one in whom God is glorified. You see, family, our ultimate purpose, it's in your notes, in life, is to bring God honor with our life. Let me say that again, our ultimate purpose in life, the reason we have life, the reason we've been elected, the reason God is for us is because he wants us to bring honor to him. Back to the big or elevated thought for this message. You have been handpicked by God to receive, everybody say, I receive, and to reveal the glory of God. You've been given the glory of God. Don't let your glory block his, his glory from happening. Let me say that again. Don't let whatever's gory in your life to block his glory from abounding in your life. Many of you know, who are from our church and are part of our church family, that Joel Osteen and I are very good friends. In fact, uh, this last week, my son was on vacation with his wife and he sent me a text. He said, Dad, I can't get away from you. I came all the way to where they go, San Francisco. And he said, and he sends me a video, you're on the radio with Joel Osteen. I'm in San Francisco, I'm your son, and I'm listening to you preach on Joel Osteen radio. Almost two years ago, my friend, who Pastor Sheila and I are on his board, Champions Network board, said, I feel like we're supposed to go to Washington, D.C., and I think it's going to be on this date. I was just with Joel two weeks ago, and our church planted a seed because this week I'm going to Washington. I'll be there this week, taking Pastor Keela with me. I'll be speaking. We'll be meeting with congressmen. And it just so happens in the middle of all this whatever you wanna call it, that's going on in our nation's capital, we have a purpose, we have a calling, and we have an assignment to go right up in the middle of all of it. And here's what I wanna tell you. 
At the end of the week, I'll be with Joel and then we will have a night of hope. What a great name right now for what needs to happen in Washington. We will have a night of hope where like Craig, now Joel isn't like Craig, but I'm not gonna be the guy on stage, but I'm the guy with my arm around Joel and our church as a part of an extended family of Lakewood are standing with him. And he'll probably say what he always says to me, Keith, I can't believe you just came all the way up here just to support me. And can I tell you, we're gonna stand on Saturday night and we're gonna stand where the Washington, what's the Washington baseball? Nationals play. And we're gonna see thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And in the name of Jesus, I announce revival to Washington DC. In the name of Jesus, that's going to happen. When you get to know somebody like I've become to know Joel, you'd learn about their family. And I learned something recently I did not know. In 1939, in a small East Texas town, there lived a young man by the name of Sam Martin. Every day, Sam would get to high school before anybody and he would go into his high school classroom. They just met in one room back then. And he would write scriptures on the chalkboard. The other kids thought it was weird. In fact, he didn't have many friends. He was marginalized, he was ostracized. They just thought he was a weird religious kid. But every day he was faithful. Every day in his high school years, all the high school students would walk in and the first thing they saw in their public school was scriptures on the board for that day that Sam had written. One night, one of his classmates was returning from being out at a, a nightclub. And all of a sudden, God began to deal with him. He began to think about eternity, began to think about God, began to think about things he'd never thought about before. The young man went home and opened his family Bible randomly and came across a verse that said, if anyone will open the door, I will come in. All of a sudden his mind was filled with reminders about all the verses that Sam had been writing on the chalkboard. He approached Sam the next day and said, Sam, why do you think I'm feeling this way? Sam simply replied, it's God drawing you. It's God drawing you to himself. Sam took this young man to church the next Sunday. And on that day, John Osteen gave his heart to Jesus. Joel's father made a decision to follow Jesus because there was a high school kid named Sam that wasn't concerned about being made fun of. It didn't matter if he wasn't the most popular kid in school. He knew he was elected by God. He knew God was for him even when other people weren't. And he knew he'd been elected for a purpose. And if all he was gonna do 
was gonna be responsible for writing scriptures on a chalkboard so that every day those high school students came in and they couldn't avoid it. That the first lesson of every day in that high school was the Word of God going into their spirit. And then one night, half drunk, a kid's walking along, doesn't even know that the Word of God's gone on the inside of him. Doesn't even know that the Word of God has intersected his pagan life with no frame of reference for God. He went to the family Bible. If you'll open the door, I'll come in. The next day to his friend, Sam, Sam, what, why am I feeling this? It's God drawing you to himself. And that day when John Osteen gave his heart to Christ, first one in his family ever, he couldn't see the future, but God did. This week I'll stand with John's son. We'll stand with John's son. Joel Osteen, who God has raised up and put his hand on because there was a boy named Sam Martin who wrote a scripture on a board. We'll preach to the largest crowd in Washington, D.C.'s history for a religious event, and we will see thousands of people come to Christ. Some of you are sitting here and you have no idea that right now, you're seeing your life right now. God sees the whole picture. He wants you to know He's elected you. He wants you to know no matter what's going on in your life right now, He's for you. He wants you to know that your purpose is way bigger than you could ever imagine. He's drawing you to Himself. I'm gonna ask you just to bow your heads just for a minute. Just close your eyes. Don't talk to your friends. Don't look around. Don't get up. Just listen for a minute. And if you're here, you say, Keith, I don't have a right relationship with Jesus. Here's what I want you to know. You've been elected by God. So whether you're in this room or whether you're in McKinney right now, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you say, I need to get my life right with Jesus. You see, the thing about God, he doesn't make you choose him back. You have to choose him back. And you know where you are with God right now. All I can tell you is you're just one decision. You're just one step away from entering into the greatest future that you could ever imagine. Doesn't mean there won't be hardships. Doesn't mean all your problems will go away. It just means like John Osteen, in a half drunk stupor, God's Holy Spirit will visit you. And when he draws you to himself, he pushes everything else away. Let me say that one more time. When he draws you to himself, he pushes everything else away. If you're here and you say, Keith, I'm not right with God and I wanna get right with God. Whether you're in McKinney, whether you're in this room right here, on the count of three, slip up your hand. One, two, three, come on. All over this place, just lift it up. God has a great future for you. I see dozens of hands. Just keep them raised just for a second. Just keep them raised just for a second. Anybody else? You say, I need to get my life right. Anybody else? This is your moment. This is your, your time to elect him back. You can put your hands down. Everybody repeat this after me. And I want you to repeat it as well, McKinney. Everybody say this with me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for choosing me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for accepting me. And now I ask you to forgive me. I want to be the person 
that you want me to be. I want the purpose that you have for me to be my purpose in life. So today I choose, I choose you back. Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord and my savior. And from this day forward, lead me and guide me in your way and in your path. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing me. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure to get your copy of Pastor Keith Craft's book, Your Divine Fingerprint, and visit elevatelife.com for other exciting new content from Elevate Life Church.